Welcome to the Move Without Limits podcast, brought to you by Reload Physical Therapy and Fitness. This is where we think different to move different. Keep the Pace Running Club is an inclusive run coaching group here in New York City. You know how much we value community here at Reload, so myself and today's co-host, Dr. Joe Lipsy, were ecstatic to sit and chat with two of the three founding members, Bethany Welsh and Kyle Bergman, who not only are coaches with a combined 30 years of experience in the fitness industry, but they're best friends. Bethany and Kyle refer to themselves as students of endurance. Bethany has completed marathons, ultra marathons, and a half Ironman triathlon. Kyle has completed six Olympic and half Ironman distance races in the last 12 months alone. Just some things to look forward to in this interview are the mental health benefits of running with the community. We go over run safety, advice on how to stay motivated when the runs get tough, and the role strength training plays as a runner, just to name a few things. Thank you, Bethany and Kyle, for sharing your experience with us today. If you love today's episode, please rate, subscribe, and review. If you think a loved one could benefit from today's episode, please share this episode with them. Bethany, Kyle, Joe, what's up? Hey, Mel. Thanks for having us. Thank you. We're so excited to be here. Yeah, thanks, Mel. Keep the pace. Why do you guys love to run? Oh, God. Yeah, why do we love to run? Why do we love to suffer might be the real question. But I, I guess maybe before we talk about why we love to run, how do we cross paths? You yeah. and me? Yeah. Back in the day, I was teaching indoor cycling. And there was the studio was next to an Orange Theory. And so I would pop into Orange Theory every once in a while. And one day the instructor said to me, hey, do you know Kyle Bergman? He's about to go through the cycling instructor training. And I didn't. From there, right? From there, I think we were going through the audition process. I was there at the time assisting a little bit. Kyle was brought on and I started to mentor Kyle a little bit and help him with his cycling training or cycling journey, how to coach cycling. And Kyle would actually come to my 6.15 a.m. run clubs that I hosted every single week. Like just as a nice, friendly gesture, I was helping him out. He was helping me grow the run club. And from there. Yeah, that those run clubs. Wow, that was like before there was Nike. Phil Knight, I believe, had a shoe company called Blue Ribbon Running Co. That run club was like our Blue Ribbon. That's what preceded Keep the Pace. Mm -hmm. And at that point in my life, I wasn't as... I identified more as a lacrosse player, as a washed-up lax bro, as they like to say. And Bethany had been doing runs at that point and really respected her as a coach as a mentor when it came to spin training, which by the way, I think I failed spin training. I think I failed spin training twice before I actually got in the door. So we could talk about failure as well, but yeah, that's how we met. And we started a company during the pandemic, which keep the pace endurance club, keep the pace run club, which we use interchangeably rose out of the ashes from. And I guess one of the things that we love about Keep the Pace and as perpetual students of endurance is being able to apply 
the wins, the losses, and a lot of the outcomes that we learn from our own training to our athletes, and not only to our athletes, but also to our peers and constantly learning. Shout out to Joe for working with Bethany not too long ago, and that's yeah. how we were introduced to, to Joe, and then to Reload, and that's how we're here. That it's, we call it the gift of an injury. This is a little bit different in that context because the gift is really all of us connecting. Mm -hmm. um, but the one thing that really just stood out to me when we first met is just your willingness to learn and be coached. And as a coach, I find that's pretty unique. I find that often us in this field are sometimes the worst students in yeah. a way, or, or oftentimes they say like people in the medical field are like the worst patients. Yeah. I know I find that I am sometimes too. So when we met, that was one thing that just stuck out to me is you were just like so ready to learn and your willingness to learn and almost unlearn a lot of the stuff that you may have been exposed to and take on and accept that there might be something new and different because that's a lot of what we do here at Reload. It's we learn, we unlearn, and then we learn new, right? Mm -hmm. Because we understand that there's always new information coming out. There's always new research coming out. And Kyle, now having spent time with you, I think you both very much own that value. So we're endurance junkies. We are obsessed with helping people achieve their fitness goals. I think beyond that is helping people realize a version of themselves that maybe they didn't realize was there and something that really you can only find when you are on that 18 mile zone two long run on a cold Sunday when everyone else is asleep and you have to go out and do it. And that for me, I think is addicting as a coach, also as an athlete. And so the ability that we have to be able to do that for the, the dozens of athletes that we're coaching currently and that we hope to coach in the future is a pleasure. It's, I, was, I love working with Bethany and Alex, who also is on our team and all the runners and, and triathletes that we train. Even just a couple minutes in, this is a beautiful start because really what I'm hearing, <laughs> and also I don't know too much about you guys, yeah. so this is a fun conversation, but really what I'm hearing is that broken into this being a student is that from the practitioner side, you're willing to not just listen, but like really hear what another coach is saying, even though but you're really listening to somebody else, then you're willing to change and you're willing to become somebody new. And you guys are walking the walk or running the run <laughs> and teaching other people to be open to change and be open to evolving into mm. somebody, some, somebody else or something new. And that's amazing. I think a lot of what people experienced with us from start to finish when they start training with us is an evolution. Everyone comes to us or most people come to us with minimal running background. We're a lot of people's first run coach and they're like, I'm just going to do one race, I'm going to do a 5K, a 10K, a marathon, a triathlon, whatever it is. And they come to us as one person and we hear it all the time. I'm just going to do this one race and then that's it. I'm done. And they, at the time, typically don't identify as a runner. And through a training with us, they evolve. They gain such mental toughness. They become an entirely different person. And at the end, they're like, oh, yeah, I am this new version of myself. I am a runner. I am really physically strong. I am really mentally strong. Like I can do this. So even from a, the beginning of a training to an end of a training, we see a major evolution in all of our athletes. 
And I will say most of our runners, we should find this, the number statistic on this. Most of our runners sign up for the next race like immediately. And then they're like, oh, that's part of my identity now. Or that's just how I am. And then they're open to more learning and more growing and a much larger evolution as well. Mm. So what do you think is the difference between just running could be just a completely solo sport and you could do it all on your own. Mm. So what is the difference in making that change being part of your club? Uh, I think for the people that want to train with us, they are placing a bet on themselves and it's scary. And so I think for some people at the beginning, we are support from a credibility standpoint. A lot of our athletes that come with us come through word of mouth or they have trained with us in another capacity through in the New York City coaching scene. And you sign up for a half marathon, you sign up for a 5K with the goal of hoping to not walk for the entire race for the first time in your life, or you sign up for a half Ironman, you want people to not only celebrate it, but tell you that it's going to be okay. And so at the beginning, I think we, we come in almost as a, a life jacket to a degree. And then over the course, when people realize that they are capable of doing hard things, harder things than they thought they could ever do, we take the training wheels off and we become more of almost a, an associate of theirs. And I think there's a little bit of this shift from almost more of a parental type of relationship to more of a teammate along the way. Love that. It, it goes more collaborative, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, that, that's like very, there's a big parallel to the relationships we try to form with our clients here, right? Like we try to set, tell everyone like, we're more of your guide rather than like your practitioner or your trainer, right? Like we just want to be like the Alfred to your Batman in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. Like just the person that can keep you going and help direct you through tough times. Yeah. Yeah. And going back to walking the walk, it's, I think, really exciting for our athletes to work with. We consider ourselves competitive age groupers. We don't have professional backgrounds in the endurance realm, although at least for me, it's not for lack of trying. And we could talk more about that. But Bethany's been on, on the podium at a, at a hundred mile race. And we've done a lot of half Ironmans, marathons. We're, we're doing that in our own right. And we also have coaches and we're not afraid to, to say that because we, we learn a lot from coaches and we're taking, I think, almost this Socratic approach where we know that we know nothing to a degree, but what we do know, we love to be able to share with other people and also apply those learnings in our own training. Bethany, what's the day by day like when you're going to run an ultra? So I got into ultras accidentally in a sense. I signed up for a 50 miler five-ish years ago and I trained myself actually horribly now that I look back and I got to the start line and I was like oh my goodness this is so crazy to admit it's a trail race I didn't know I thought I was just running 50 miles which trail race 50 first road race 50 are com completely different events anyways mental breakdown of mile 31 that's a whole other uh, yeah it was bad but from there I was like huh 
it really scared me and I was really bad. But I was like, I think I like this. Like I was really bad and I was so unprepared and so scared when I was in it. But then I was like, this is something I should really look. I should do more of this. So I started signing up for other things. But now I sign up for a couple races a year and it's a lot of long runs and it's strength training. I just signed up for another 50 miler after I haven't done anything over 50K in the past like couple months, but I just signed up for 50 miles. So I have eight weeks to get ready. Part of it, I think, as an ultra marathoner is there's that quote, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And I feel like that's what I try to do at all times is like, I now have eight weeks till 50 miles, but I'm like, okay, like I never lost my fitness. I've constantly been going on like longer runs, staying in zone two. Like it's just, and we're all in it when you're training for so many different events. And then this is like our lives. You never just, you never drop out of it. We're just like, and Joe, you're in the same boat as well, constantly training for things. It just, my life is all long run. <laughs> but I, I long, think, slow run. I, I think that's awesome because really what you've said is I've made this just like my lifestyle. Absolutely. And in order to make it a lifestyle, you have to make it sustainable. And in order to make it sustainable, you need people in your corner to show you how, or also say, hey, I get you're trying to do all these things. So I want to make sure you can do all these things. So let's just do this one thing slightly differently. <laughs> and it's constantly learning more about yourself and your body, having people like you in my corner who I can text, hey, this isn't feeling right. And Joe's, we'll do. God, for reasons. I supposed to want whatever. I'm like, yes, I knew that. It's just, it's, yeah, totally. What would you say are the biggest things, Kyle, you mentioned suffering before. So that feeling of suffering or being in pain, what helps you on these long runs? Of being like, okay, I'm safe. Good question. For safety, I think, yeah, there's a couple of different ways that we can interpret this, especially running in New York. So you want to make sure that you're, I don't know, not running. Literally safe. Literally safe, yeah. Uh, yeah. From a physical standpoint, there's this beautiful sweet spot. I love to find the intersection of what is challenging yet doable Sometimes that is subjective. Sometimes it is objective. If you have been in a anaerobic state for too long and the lactate is overflowing and, and you can't flush it out of your bloodstream and you really bonk. And I think that suffering is a bummer in the moment because you cannot go any farther, certainly at the pace that you were doing. We have some athletes right now that actually haven't had the pleasure of experiencing that. And I think that it's really important for people to push the envelope almost too far. When you're able to stay below that line and continue to be in serious discomfort, but still able to hold your pace, then that's, I think, where a lot of magic happens. And that takes a ton of A-B testing, whether it's nutrition, whether it's the types of equipment that you're using and suffering. I think the, the worst type of suffering is where you're not able to realize your potential because either you were scared to, to go past the limit or you're not doing consistent or rigorous enough testing on the types of conditions that you could perform best in. We use some software training with our clients where we're looking at heart rate, we're looking at cadence, we're able to understand if they're pushing themselves appropriately because 
one of the common pieces of feedback we get from our runners is why are we doing so much zone two running? Shouldn't I be running more at race pace? We want them to be able to show up on race day at a higher pace, but you can increase what that could potentially be by doing a lot more disciplined zone two training. A little bit of a ramble there, but I think there's... People need to hear that though. You don't always have to train fast to be fast. Yes. Yes. Also, you have to be, you have to stay in the game to be able to play the game. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. But I I really like what you're talking about, about this intersection of like pain and suffering, right? Because look at Reload, we have a a big physical therapy end of the business and we work with people who have been in these chronic situations for so long or they've been feared about pain and Mm. pain becomes this thing in their lives and it's controlling And they start avoiding all these things they used to love. And they start really shaping their decisions and their behaviors around avoiding pain and making sure that this is something I can do. But showing people through the lens of like endurance that like pain is a normal part of life. And if anything, it could be more of a teacher and something that's more empowering than anything, right? And of course, when we talk about safety, This is where it does help to have someone with a medical background play because we know what literally is safe. Like we know what red flags are where we're breaching on the lines of a stress fracture or true, like you're pushing yourself too hard, like rhabdomyolysis like standpoint. But for the most part, 90% of people aren't going to get there. They almost can't push themselves that far. But using this endurance lens to show people, we call it the pain cave, right? Hey, it's okay to get there. And in fact, you'll come out of it and you'll come out of it better and be able to do so many more things. You guys also, you experience so many running personalities. So you must get people like you were saying before that are afraid to push themselves to that extra limit and then they lack on performance because they're not pushing themselves. But you also must get the other extreme of people that are like addicted to suffering. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. How, how do you manage that when you're coaching the people that like want to be in pain? Not to categorize or, or generalize our athletes, but yeah, people, I think you could put them into two different buckets. The people that you're going to have to kick in the butt to, to get going. And then the ones that you have to pull back on the reins a little bit. I think I tend to lean towards the ones that you want to pull back on the reins a little bit. It's really difficult to teach motivation and when people have a really high motor and are looking to work really hard, that's really exciting as a coach. On the contrary, when you're able to encourage someone to really be their endorphin catalyst and to help them find that switch where they can go from having to motivate them to if they're doing it themselves, really getting people into that from action to the maintenance phase when it comes to behavioral change, that there's really no better feeling when you can be a part of someone's journey in that regard. But Beth, what do you think? Some of the people we train, it's like, you're not going to wake up every day and be like, yes, a run. So there are sometimes people that are really struggling with the every day. They don't run every day, but checking the box, right? But we are there to make sure that things get done. So through the software that Kyle was talking about, we can see what they're doing and we can make sure that things are going according to plan. We are pretty lucky though, like most people get done exactly what they're supposed to be done 
And most people are just open to learning about the why they're doing what they're doing. It's really new to a lot of people that we work with. So a lot of it is just educating them. And once they know the why and the how and like how to execute, we are really fortunate. A lot of our runners are like, I'm all in. That's it. That's great. And they start to really perform. They're, of course, the people that are going to take it too far. And they're like super excited. But like Kyle said, it's a little bit easier to to pull those people in than it is to the people that are super unmotivated. Eventually, they'll typically fall off in that regard. We can only do so much and any coach can only do so much we can't make people run um but yeah and i one thing that i love about our own training experience and something that i can relate to personally i have a lot of empathy for some of our runners who don't feel like they have a body that's born to run necessarily or like running for me i feel like i was blessed with i've always been a very good runner running's come easy to me to run very fast to run for long periods of time I'll tell you something that hasn't come easy to me is swimming. And in my Ironman pursuits, swimming, every second of every swim I have ever done, I have disliked. I hate being in the water. It doesn't come easy to me. What makes that even more frustrating is that my dad was an all SEC swimmer at Alabama back in the 70s. And so I'm part of the time I'm like, dad, why didn't you give me those swim jeans? But when it comes to swimming, I go to a pool and I see some people that maybe they don't have the body type where they look like swimmers or maybe they look like prototypical swimmers, but they are flying past me. And that can become really demotivating. But in the moment, putting in the work, it's been really encouraging in my own journey to see my swim game improve. And so I take that and apply it to some of our athletes who don't feel like they're a good runner or don't feel like they have the body to run. And I can say, look, based on my own swim experience, I can tell you that you absolutely do. It's just going to take a little bit more dedication, a little bit more time, but you can get there. And also celebrating like the small wins. I mean, every win's a win. Like we have had major improvements um, across the board for tons of our runners and people come to us and they're like, like I said earlier, like, oh, I'm not really a runner. And they run their first race. And they're like, okay, fun. And suddenly they're like, all right, I'm going to sign up for the next one. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly they're like, oh, yeah, my speeds are getting faster in that same heart rate zone. And it's all these little things. And oh, yeah, my 400 meter times are dropping. And oh, yeah, my heart rate's not getting up as high anymore. And being able to also celebrate in those wins with them, I think is also very motivating for them. And setting small goals for them too, like just one little thing you want to accomplish per run is really what keeps them, can keep them in it and like mentally engaged. Because at the end of the day, a training and an Ironman training, a swim training, it's long, it's tedious, but if you can find those little things to celebrate and those little wins. It's huge. It's hard to celebrate those swim wins, I know, but. Yeah. Well, even we'll get into that, it's you're learning how to not compare yourself to others. Totally. There's so many other deeper lessons that's happening. Right within oh hey i just got in the pool today no it goes much beyond just getting in the pool today and that's the great thing about a single person sport it's just them and you're competing against yourself I, yeah look I'm, I'm one of those people that is definitely not born to run growing up playing soccer they referred to me as like the bowling ball right i was just short stock and would bounce off of people mm-hmm. and i loved it right but I think one of my whys for doing this endurance stuff is I want to show people that you can do something that you're not necessarily good at and overcome it and then eventually start to enjoy it and find success in it. But then the other elephant in the room is, yes, we're talking about these sports, endurance, these races and stuff, but like 
just, we always have to remind everyone, like, just remember the benefits of the long-term health applications of what you're putting yourself through. Every run that you do, every swim that you do might not go according to plan, right? You might bonk, uh, you might just get out of the water and slap it and be like, yeah, screw this. But you did just put your body through an incredible stimulus that your 70, 80, 60, 90 year old self will thank you for. Totally. Yeah. We're, I don't think we're in the run business. We're not in the triathlon business. And I don't think reload is net necessarily in the PT business. I think we're all in the self-discovery business and we use just a bunch of smoke and mirrors to help people like realize self-actualization. Joe, yeah, we, it's funny with running and triathlons, when it's just you versus you, having played team sports my entire life as well. Yeah, and for those that are listening, if you ever played a team sport, it doesn't matter what it is, but you could have an off day and you could still come out with the win because your teammates pick you up. And that doesn't happen in a race. It doesn't happen really any, in any type of individual sport. And I think that's really scary to a lot of people. I think there's also this expectation of being great. We live in the hustle culture. Everyone's heard this in one way or another, but all you're seeing is everyone's best out on social media and who wants to get vulnerable and who wants to come in 1,800th place in their age group in a giant race? No one, but that's where you have to start. And zone two doesn't happen overnight. It, it happens, it can take half a decade. But the amazing thing is that you will get faster. You will be, get stronger. And, and so, yes, it's, it's a long game and we're, we're in it for the long game as well as coaches. Yeah. And it's incredible when you can take someone, like you're saying, who doesn't identify maybe as like a runner or something, mm -hmm. but then get them to see the value in it. And whether they fully enjoy it over time, it's just like a icing on top of the cake, right? But if you can get them to see the value in it, like I've seen Mallory with a bunch of her clients who have had no desire to run or anything. Mm -hmm. And they've started to see the value in doing cardio and start enjoying whether it's like distance or like sprinting, right? You know exactly who I'm talking about because <laughs> we worked with her together and it's incredible to see what these people are able to do now. And you just think, what is this person going to be able to do in 10 years? What's their life going to look like? And that is just so rewarding on so many different levels. If you can help people find enjoyment in it and f not everyone has to go out there and run 20 mile long runs or 10 mile long runs or even train for a race. But the benefits of all this, even if it's just 20 to 30 minutes of his own two run, couple sprints. I mean, like my parents are in their 60s. And for me, it's very important that they just continue to do something, anything. So that when I have kids one day, they can get on and off the floor with the kids. Or it's important to me that they can carry their groceries or sit on the couch without needing my assistance for as long as possible. So keeping your heart healthy, keeping your bones healthy, your muscles, it's really important. And we're helping people, hopefully, and you guys as well, find some enjoyment in movement and find something they, they enjoy and see the benefits of it and keep them moving for as long as possible. I also want to just speak to people that don't run in there intrigued and just go over just some like basics. Mm -hmm. So right now is people keep on re referring to it as it's marathon season. What does that mean? Yeah. The, the city of New York is getting a little bit of marathon fever, but it's not just New York. Berlin just happened and Chicago and marathon season is 
really the hype around all of the 26.2 mile races that are happening in like the third and fourth quarter of the year. And people start to see friends of friends posting on social media with these bibs and these medals. And there's a little bit of hysteria, I think a good hysteria, if there's such a thing about Oh, maybe if people start asking themselves is they have this inner monologue that maybe they've never had. What if I, what if I do that? Could I do that? And we, it's exciting for us to be a part of that, to just have exploratory conversations with people that are starting to ask those types of questions. For a book that I really love called Born to Run. And if you're listening, maybe you've heard of it, or I highly recommend reading it. And when we talk about people who are questioning if they are a runner or not, there's some fascinating statistics in there that I love to to quote around, we as a species evolved to run. It's really cool. And if you're listening right now and you're wondering how, I challenge you after this to just go outside and, and run barefoot. And you'll notice that you will run, you will midfoot strike right on the balls of your feet. It's impossible to run on your heels outside. And that's something that tens of thousands, millions of years we've evolved from our ancestors to do. I know you asked me, what does marathon season mean? (laughs) But here we are talking about how we're different from chimpanzees. But these are the types of conversations that I start to have with people who through the fever are starting to get curious about what they could do with their body. What are people's options when they want to run a race? What are different People throw out Ironman, but what does that mean? So there's a 5K, which is 3.1. That's typically like a good first-time race or someone who's looking to get faster in the 5K. We often train people who've done a bunch of 5Ks, but they just want to get faster in that distance. 10K is 6.2. The next one typically is 13.1, half marathon. Marathon would be 26.2. Ultra is anything larger than that. So a 50K would be 31.1. 50 milers up there, 100 milers up there. And then in terms of triathlons. We, sprint triathlons are typically around a 13 mile. We start with a short swim. There's no, I think, regulations around how long the swim is in a sprint. We're around like 500, 800 meters, like a 13, 12 mile bike ride, and then a 5K. You have Olympic triathlons where the swim is around 1500 meters, around a 25 mile bike. And then a 10K half Ironman's 1.2 mile swim, 56 mile bike ride, and a half marathon. And then you double that for the full. So 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, and then a 26.2 mile run. And as far as the programs that are associated with each of those, if you're looking to do a 5K or a 10K, that's typically an eight week program that we do. And then for half and full marathons, usually in the three to four month time frame, depending on what a person's run fitness level is at when they come to us. And it's about the same time frame for a half or full Ironman around four to five months, typically. And awesome. how, how many of those people are being proactive about strength training during that time? It's a good question. It's a great question. Yeah, training for an endurance event, if you want to do it the right way, is, is a part-time job. And resistance training is a really important part of, I think, getting the best out of what you can do. And it's unfortunately something that a lot of people don't learn until they're doing their second or their third race. 
Interesting. Where it's too late. They've gotten themselves into a little pickle with an injury. And then I think they, <laughs> then I think they realize, oh, I probably should have. We program strength training into our plans. It is a part of the program. It's not just run four days a week and the next three days you're doing absolutely nothing. It's actually, Joe, you're the one that said this to me, that strength training is an insurance policy for your marathon training program. And I thought that was so brilliant. I tell it to everybody, anybody I know, I'll tell them that. Yeah, Yeah. I appreciate it. And it's just, we, the gym has gotten a rap where it's, it gets like meathead vibes or I just have to lift heavy weight, but there's very much a way to use strength training. You don't even necessarily need to use weights. Like I, I don't even know if I gave you anything with weights when we first met, right? For your ultra, right? I don't even remember. But there's a way to use resistance training, whether it's body weights or weights, to help facilitate running better. Sometimes mm-hmm. it requires heavy weights, but oftentimes it's just simple. Can you do 30 single leg calf raises? Can you do 20 single leg squats to a bench? Like, can you do a side plank with your leg on the bench? And these things all make a huge difference in the long run, <laughs> partially just because training different things right. works. It's also so humbling. Very humbling. You don't realize how hard 30 calf raises are, single leg. You don't realize how hard it is until Joe's standing there and you're like, I'm a failure. I can only do 15. (laughs) I can run X amount of miles, but I can't do 30 calf raises. No, yeah. Yeah, Joe, if you had to take one (laughs) run-specific resistance workout to an island with you for the rest of your life, is it going to be the single leg calf raises? Or is it the ISO split squat hold? Yeah, I'd probably actually go with the ISO split squat hold because wow. you can elevate the front heel and that ah, there a you calf go. exercise there you too. Go. <laughs> uh, and just have people do that for a very long period of time. If you're listening, if you can do that exercise and if you don't know it, just YouTube it for two minutes. That's it's- pretty legit. That's like <laughs> both mental fortitude and actual strength. It's way harder than like holding a plank or And it never gets easier. I can't tell you how many split squats I've been in. And every time I'm like, this still sucks. It's the worst exercise, I think, ever. But important. But very important. So if you're listening, drop down. Speak also about importance. We touched upon this earlier, but I think it's so important to talk about it and have it in recording is safety while running. And Bethany, I'd love to hear Mm -hmm. as a woman. Yeah. What do you do? I typically, I would love to trail run more, to be honest. I just can't as much, A, because we live in New York City. But B, because I will not go on the trails alone. So in order to be safe, I think, number one, run with a friend. Also, I would avoid any, like, when it's dark out, try and run in groups. Find a run group to run with. Like, anything that has light and other people around you, I think, is, like, the top two safety tips. Some other things you can do is make sure if you are going out solo, text someone, hey, I'm going out at Right now, I'll be back in an hour and you'll hear from me. And if you don't hear from me in 90 minutes, call me or something along those lines and let them know what you're wearing. It sounds like crazy, but you have to do these things to to stay safe. And the other thing to note is we can do all the right things and there are still bad people out there. But yeah, there's pepper spray and other sorts of defense things you can do, but... I think running groups is really a, a really great option. And no matter where you are, New York City or other, otherwise, there are tons of run communities and run groups that meet at all different times. Find a time that works for you and your schedule and do your best to link up with groups. Also, then you have a community. 
That's well said. I used to literally ride my bike with Hallie when she was training for the New York City Marathon because yeah. I was just so nervous. Yeah, we have a woman in training right now and her boyfriend rides his bike while she... I think he likes to. I think it's, I think it's like a nice gesture, but it's cute. But it's but then, you know, she's safe. Yeah. Can never be too safe. Be safe out there. Yeah, for real. And now just to... didn't really talk about Keep the Pace itself that much this whole time yet, but you guys, you have runners on the month, is it? That you have on your Instagram. Yeah, we have Runners of the Week. They're runners so of the cute. Week. And then yeah. you have raffles. You have oh, all yeah. these like awesome educational events. Yeah. It goes beyond even just the coaching. Yeah. Beyond coaching. What, yeah. what do you do? So beyond coaching, we're partnered with Puma. We do clinics with them. So we actually have had Joe come and speak to runners, either our runners or anyone in the community in New York City about injury prevention, which has been really awesome. What else did you speak on? We talked about gait analysis. Yes. Yeah. We're looking to do some more stuff on nutrition. But yeah, we have runners of the week. It's super fun. Super cute way to showcase all of our awesome athletes. What else do we do, Kyle? Keep keep the pace is a, I think there's no shortage of run clubs in the U.S. and New York City, which is a great thing. And we are just your, your friendly neighborhood run club that, like Bethany said, offers a ton of resources. We're really uh, lucky to partner with not only Puma, but also Reload. And we love bringing all of our athletes to y'all. So thank you. And we were actually going to be doing a runner safety clinic in the new year, most likely in partnership with Puma. But we are the same way your local coffee shop is providing exceptional service and makes you feel seen. And it's also a place for you to maybe meet people. That's what Keep the Pace is. We're an inclusive, all levels run community that's training people either for their first 5K or to PR on their full Ironman. I want to go back to what you just said about inclusive because I think it's really important to note based on what I've heard from some of our runners, like we really strive to be inclusive and we really are inclusive, like any pace goes. And I think that's that's not the case, not intentionally, but in other run communities where it's people like, always doing eight, nine minute miles, 10 minute miles. Like we're really open to anybody, literally any pace goes. If you need to walk, you walk. If you're running 15 minute miles, you're running 15 minute miles. There's no shame. We have all abilities. And I think that is one of the best parts of Keep the Pace is anybody can join. Anybody can be a part of it. Yeah. And and we are challenging ourselves to be even more inclusive. We have exciting plans to grow next year, bring on some other coaches who will be offering run walk paces in the park and maybe like a 15 or 16 minute per mile pace. The funny thing, and not to go too deep into zone two training, but most people are probably running too fast for their zone two training. And these other run clubs that are out in the city and they have seven, eight, nine minute per mile paces, it's, is it going to hurt you? Maybe you're more susceptible to injury if you are running in threshold for long periods of time but it's not going to help you build a really strong aerobic base. And so running slower, almost without fail, is going to be better for you. And so we we love the fact that we're all able to offer slower paces for folks that are just looking to get into running. That's love that. Love that. Because the Couch to 5K program is awesome. And I've seen a lot of people have success with it. The hard part is just you have to do it on your own, right? It's just mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing because sometimes people say they're inclusive. But it's it's not like they actually built themselves too inclusive, if you get what mm. I mean. You can't just be like, 
oh yeah, come and we'll like change our roles for you. It's right. like, no, you have to be really built out actually being. Yeah. Stuff. And I think once we have all the pacing chart, pacing charts, once we have all the pacers in there too, the walk dog, I think is a really awesome addition and that just caters to more people. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. How does somebody join? You can check us out on the internet at www.keepthepace.run. And you can also check us out on Instagram, Keep the Pace Run Club. And we provide free consultations to anyone that's interested in chatting. You can find a time to schedule with Bethany on our website, or you can DM us and we'd be happy to chat with you. Love it. Uh, I have a takeaway. I love a good takeaway. Yes. And I'd love to hear your answers because you both value learning students so much. My takeaway question for this season is think about a teacher you've had in your life or a coach, a mentor, member, somebody who learned really great things from. What is it about that person that they either taught you that has stuck with you or what is it that you admire about that person? For me, I have a, a mentor who is like an older brother to me. And one of the things I love about our interactions is that they are always so curious about me and asking questions. This is a person who has been incredibly successful from a business standpoint in their personal life professionally. And I've also been fortunate enough to rub shoulders and interact with people that I think are at this person's same level. And it's a lot of I think postulating and preaching, which I totally understand that you've had all this success and all this experience. You can tell me what you think I should do. And, but with this mentor, it's more curiosity driven, more asking questions about me. And it's really inspiring to see someone who has done a lot of things that I want to do in, in my life professionally and personally, and to still come to, to be able to renounce their ego in a conversation and ask questions. And so I love that. That's so funny you just said that. Because I was thinking when you said family member, I, when you were thinking, talking coach and mentor, I've had wonderful coaches and wonderful mentors in my life. But I think my biggest mentor has been my mom. And the thing I think that I, no, I think the thing I love about her and what she does so well is she listens and she just absorbs all the information and she doesn't feel like she needs to immediately talk back to you, but she listens to everything people say or I say, absorbs that information and then responds from there. She's a, just like a wonderful person who listens to you. And I think sometimes we're constantly responding to people back, always responding. And she's just, and so she's got great advice. She's just a loving woman. The, the, we talk about the power of listen, just listening all the time. If somebody wanted to reach out and talk to you directly, how do, how do they get in touch with you? What, what's my Instagram? Coach oh, Berge. Coach Berge. Yeah, Coach Berge is how you can find me. And mine is Bethany Welch 1 on Instagram. And we'll include nice. those in like the show notes, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know. Cool. Cool. We'll we'll hyperlink you. I might have a new Instagram that came back soon. Well, it'll oh. be it'll be, it'll be posted. 
Over yeah. There. I don't know if I'm going to change talking to this. At least you're going to go through with it, right? I have, uh, I, I still have a week to back out. <laughs> Alex, if you're listening, I'm still in it. Just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Fun fact for if, I, uh, by the time anyone hears this, Bethany and Alex, our other partner on the business, will be married and I will have officiated their wedding. Nope. <laughs> I love it. Cool. Um, thank you so much, guys. Seriously. Thank you, thank you for the time. Fun. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Reload's Move Without Limits podcast. I hope listening today has resonated with you, helped, and inspired you to take action. See the notes in the description for a rundown of the episode with all the important links. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share this with a friend and tag us on Instagram at reload.pt. We love feedback and would be so grateful if you could write a review. It really helps us out. For more information of our services and events, you can go to our website at www.reloadpt.com or find us on YouTube. Enjoy your day and talk soon.